We believe in people, in their stories, and their ability to inspire and change the world. Believing this means we transform our lives, our communities, and the world by doing good. Welcome to the Highlands Ranch Lone Tree Advice Givers, the Corrigan Group podcast, and I am your host, Sandy Corrigan. It is our deepest desire to introduce you to those local advice givers who are the day-to-day world changers, the champions, and those who in their own way are transforming lives, communities, and the world by doing good. My guest today is Megan Prentice. I'm so excited because Megan has a true passion for community. Megan believes that fitness is the perfect setting for individuals to come together and encourage one another toward greatness. You know, beginning at an early age with soccer, dance, and running, what a cool combination, Megan has always had a love for sports and fitness. In fact, she graduated from CU Boulder in 2011 with a degree in business management and has since spent her time in the for-profit and nonprofit sectors, including launching and managing franchises across the U.S. and overseas. Then, after a God-given, God-driven path that led her on several trips to East Africa, she stumbled upon her true calling for business with a mission. She ran full steam ahead and was certified by one of the best bar studios in Denver and launched Revive Fit Studio in January of 2016. Her heart for dance, fitness, unity, and giving back all merged into the Revive Fit experience. Megan encourages, you know, we don't have to wait until heaven to experience true life. For heaven on earth can happen right here, right now, through holistic wellness of mind, body, and spirit. Welcome, Megan. So I'm so excited to have you in our studio today, Megan. Thank you for making the trip down down here to be our guest today. And, and we do have Megan Prentice as our guest. And Megan, I just want to start with um, your story. You know, where did you grow up? You know, tell me a little bit about just who you are. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited too. I actually grew up in the in the neighborhood right down the street in Greenwood Village and the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. <laughs> I went to school in Boulder, born and raised in Colorado, and um, came back to the Denver area. Just that's that's so exciting because we don't often have Colorado natives, yes, I people know. homegrown right from our state. So it's true, we're very rare breed. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, I went to school at CU Boulder with at the Lead School of Business business degree. Great and business school. Yes, it was. It was a fantastic experience. And so go back because as you grow up, you know, uh, we mentioned in our intro of you that you have always loved sports and and did soccer and mm-hmm. and you are, were a runner and so dance. Did you do all kind of, kinds of discipline of dance or was there one that's sp- specifically, and if you could see Megan, I want to <laughs> say ballerina because she's like tall and beautiful and her Thank hair you. would look great in a bun. <laughs> Long legs. Yeah. I. So it's funny because I just had this natural affinity for soccer, but I loved dance. My heart was with dance, but I just had this natural ability to do soccer. And so I just remember having one of the biggest dilemmas in my life as a child was I had to make this decision whether to do dance or soccer and pursued soccer. And I did that throughout, you know, the course of childhood and ended up getting into track in high school. And that was a big time mental game for me. I had to work my way up. Um, and that's kind of 
very much my story in general is just working my way up, working hard for the things that I've received in my life and started running a 65 second 400 and got down to 58 seconds at state my junior year. Ended up getting a stress fracture in my back. So I didn't run for um, stress fracture from running from running and I also was a cheerleader so but yes so I found myself at CU Boulder not running track but fell into a really cool group of friends and then also just like really stumbled upon my love for business and my passion for business without even really understanding what that looked like in college and I understand it more now but I just had this huge heart to give back through business and took a social business class called Business Solutions to Global Poverty. Actually had Doug Jackson, if you guys are familiar with Project Cure, come in and speak. And he he started talking a lot about this model of giving back for good and um, how his whole organization started. And it just really started getting my entrepreneurial brain going. And I started coming, We at the time we had been talking about an L3C model um, in the business world. And I just fell in love with this idea of using business to give back. And at that same point in time, I ran into one of my friends from high school who started um, what she called Musana. And I was like, what is this that you're talking about? So it just was the, the course of events that all happened at this time. And just it was like this convergence of everything coming together. And the timing was just amazing. And I ended up running a marathon and raising money to go out to this Musana, which actually was at the time an orphanage in Uganda. Mm. And since then, they've transformed this entire orphanage into a community development model. Now, did you grow up with a family that was really involved philanthropically or that had a heart for people? Or, you know, did you get that experience as a child? I actually didn't. And so I don't know where this all came from. <laughs> you didn't have like your own lemonade stand on the corner but, somewhere in Greenwood Village raising money well, for poor kids. Or <laughs> We did do lemonade stands. I will say that. Okay. <laughs> but it was totally capitalistic at the time. Huh? Yeah. So was there kind of a catalytic moment that you put this idea that business was more than profit and more than making money? I mean, was there some kind of catalytic events in your life? Or was it the story you told about, you know, Doug coming in with Project Cure? Were there some other things kind of bubbling in you? Or some things that you had been a part of or seen that just caused you to go, I want to do something more than just be a capitalist? Yeah, well, that's it's kind of funny that you asked that because I mean when I was five, five years old I knew I wanted to be a founder and CEO of something I didn't know what but I wanted to be a big time business person and um it, Do you know what that was about at five when you looked at that big time CEO what did you see or what did you see you could become <laughs> because of that you know I just I just knew I wanted, I was a, a natural born leader, but for some reason, <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind was I really wanted a flagpole <laughs> in my yard. Um, you and wanted just, a flagpole? I, I saw, I just used to see the stately house with a flagpole out front, and I just envisioned myself being this founder of a big time corporation and just leading people. And I think. A lot of it was about the community, um, but I also just um, 
perseverance. I will say my parents taught me perseverance. And that's something that... So, so. you're five, you want to be a big time CEO, you want a flagpole. I, I, I'm see like Megan for president <laughs> or, you know, governor or something up there, right? Um, so but, you know, that is that that's an interesting image of that kind of, um, I guess, atmosphere that when you do drive into a company or drive into a government office where that, you know, that is a, an interesting symbol that you had as a little girl that symbolized for you something important, yeah. something with leadership. I don't so know. So take us back then. <laughs> you um, you get introduced to this girlfriend, right? This friend who mm-hmm. has part of this organization that's doing orphanages in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And did you actually go to Uganda? Well, okay. So this is where the story gets fun and kind of crazy is that... I had my first encounter with God in college. And this was all, again, happening at the same time. And it just was, it it wrecked me. I mean, it completely changed my life. And basically, I had a dream, a very vivid dream. And I'm not one to remember my dreams ever. I can literally count on one hand how many dreams I've ever remembered in my life. And this was incredibly vivid and incredibly real and incredibly scary. (laughs) It was one of the most scary things that I've ever experienced in my life. But it, this dream, it, this dream that I had. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yes. And so I, I basically it was this African genocide, and I, I want to say it was a little bit abstract, um, as if you're watching like dreams movie, are, right? Yeah. And there was blood everywhere, and I, the feeling that I had with it was just complete oppression and heaviness, and I felt as if there was an elephant stepping on my chest. Um, so it just was this dichotomy of this crazy fear and this African genocide and the weight of that. And then at the end of the dream was this tidal wave of ocean water that came and washed all of the blood away. And in that water, in that ocean wave of water, I actually saw a script that said, the Lord giveth what the Lord taketh away. And it sounds crazy um, because to this point, point in my life, I had never had an experience like this. And I actually didn't know that God existed. So, um, this was on your own, this sleeping at night, you have this dream, this visitation, really, it sounds like Mm -hmm. of this whole picture. And then that is the scripture really, right? Mm -hmm. That's a scripture, not just a script, right? Right. It is a scripture. And so what do you do with that? What'd you do with that? I did not know. That would freak anybody out. (laughs) Well, and what was so cool is that when I saw the script in the water that came, it was that dichotomy of like this heaviness and oppression. And then this immense peace that just fell over me and I automatically woke up. And, um, at, like I said, at this same point in time, I'm, I'm a, sophomore at this time in college. And, um, I had just run into my friend on campus, quote unquote, randomly. And she had been telling me about this Musana. And that's when I decided to run this marathon to raise funds, to go out to Uganda for the first time. So I had this incredible experience, um, five weeks in Uganda. Um, and I just, I knew, I just knew I was called to Africa. Um, not only because of this dream, but I just had such a stirring in my heart for underprivileged and oppressed and um, orphans and widows and um, what was what were some of the most impactful things when you went there that you still remember from that first trip? Uh, gosh, like, um, what were your expectations? Let me ask you this: 
Did you have certain expectations or kind of impressions before you went that were just blown out of the box or changed when you went there? I had no idea what I was getting myself into. (laughs) I have the stream. I run a marathon. I raise money. I go. I had no idea. I mean, my parents always told me I saw the world through rose-colored glasses. So, um, but I actually, I had to, I had to convince my parents to let me go over for three years. Um, because I all like also part of my journey was hotel Rwanda. If you've ever seen that movie changed my life. Like I just did not know anything was that the world could be like that. Um, and that genocide, you know, I mean, because it related to my dream, it, it just really stirred something in me. So, um, I convinced my parents after watching that movie, all, it all was around the same time that I would be going to Africa um, and they just kept laughing. And so I actually went behind their back and wrote letters <laughs> to their friends. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> to raise money. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. Um, Which and they know now, right? <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> so um, ended up raising enough to go out over there. But yeah, I would say one of my first impressions and... I'll be honest that I, it wasn't what I expected. I didn't have any crazy encounters. I just knew that I loved the simplicity of lifestyle there. And it wasn't until I got back to America that I really had some deep encounters and changes in, within me, you know, culture shock um, of just how much stuff we have in America. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, um, tell me a little bit more about what do you mean by simplicity of lifestyle? Yeah, I, um, it's, it's hard to explain. Is it mostly around the stuff? Most of it, but I just, I think it was just a deeper connection of family, um, to put that, it into words. That you experienced there, a deeper sense of community and family there yes. than here. So what I often hear people say that go to other places is that some of the most impoverished places places in the world have the strongest sense of community mm-hmm. and then they come back and it's, we seem so disconnected yes. because we have so many opportunities and things. I would say that's true. And so then what happened? So you go there, you go for five weeks, your life has changed by that. You come back here, culture shock, right? Mm-hmm. So what'd you do next? So, uh, basically t- took that social business class. I met Doug Jackson started getting these crazy ideas of starting my own business <laughs> that could support a hospital actually um in Uganda and it was the same that same model of starting a for-profit to funnel money into a nonprofit and I, literally i i just remember sketching it all out and having this blueprint as Doug Jackson was speaking in my class and um i ended up tracking him down after and emailing him and long story short fast forward uh, worked for another organization for, you know, about six months in the for-profit world, hated it. It was in the beer industry after I graduated and then, um, reached out to Doug Jackson and started volunteering for Project Cure. And I just vowed to myself at that point. I I mean, I'm 22, just graduated. And I was like, I don't understand how people can just, and I I do, I know my generation is, (laughs) We're very spoiled in the sense that we can chase our dreams down and our parents have put a good table in front of us to be able to do that. But I just, I vowed to myself, I could never work a job that I wasn't passionate about. Um, And so I started reaching out and working with organizations, nonprofits, um, even though I wasn't getting paid and was living in my parents' basement. And um, I 
really started to fall in love with the model at Project Cure of taking our excess in America and sending it over to outfit these hospitals in developing countries. I just loved that. And so um, I made a list of, at that time I was unemployed and that was very hard for me, just coming from a performance family of having everything together. And so at that time I was journaling, I made a list of literally 12 different items that I wanted in a job. And I started praying about it. And now at this point in time, did you have kind of a faith community you were a part of, or were you still kind of wandering on your own, just having these personal conversations with the God of the universe and <laughs> which is very cool by the way yeah you know <laughs> that I, you're being spoken to personally and guided but yeah I, I I actually didn't really have much of a community I was kind of navigating these waters on my own I didn't really know I honestly I went to my pastor actually after I had that dream and I said can you explain this to me and he he couldn't and so I just started really trying to press in and um figure things out for myself and um so you made this list of 12 things made, you want in a job. And so what did prayer look like? Did that like... <laughs> Most of it was just bawling on okay, my face. So crying in a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because sometimes people go, what is that? You know, and right. I would say it's just a conversation like you have with anybody else, yeah, right? Because God is always hanging over the universe waiting to have a conversation with us. So mm-hmm. so you're, you're obviously moved very deeply emotionally that you care about this. And so you're putting this kind of list before God and then what happened? Well, and I, I it was really just the, the posture in my heart was I just felt like a complete failure. You know, I I had a job for five months, six months right out of college and here I am and I'm jobless and I'm living in my parents' basement and it just was this like stripping and this surrender. And so I, I was like, you know what, if you're real God, like, and it wasn't even if you're real because I knew because of that dream, it was kind of like a challenge and also just a meet me here in this place. And so I made a list of these literally 12 different things. And it was very, very specific. This this was the first time in my life I had ever decided. Do you remember a couple of those things on the list? Yeah. So I wanted a sales job. I wanted to work internationally. I wanted to work with kids. I wanted to work in health. Mind you, Project Cure has 20,000 volunteers and they only have 20 staff. So when I was volunteering at this time with them, I never in my right mind thought that they would have a position available for me right out of college. Um, So anyway, I make this list, start praying. I'm volunteering with them for four months and I'm just at the end of my rope. And I'm like, four months felt like eternity as a 22 year old after, you know, leaving that first job. And so... I get a call from Doug Jackson and he says, we want to offer you a position and it's something that we created just for you. And did it, it have all 12 pages? It had every single thing on the list. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> did you get the letter from God, Doug? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> it was so cool. And I that is when that's the moment in my life I decided to start praying very, very specific prayers because God shows up. So, um, fell in love with that job. I, I ended up running something called Kits for Kids and running their programs at Project Cure. It was very much like a sales job for a, non- a nonprofit, and I got to travel overseas. And so, I got to go back to Uganda and to do a needs assessment because we always send somebody over with Project Cure. 
I'm talking as if I still work there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we always send somebody to do assessments ahead of time to make sure we're sending, you know, the correct supplies. And I actually got to go back to Musana and to help them build their 50-bed hospital there. So that was a really cool experience to be able to go back and to be able to help in that way. Um, because this was, you in know. the way that you had dreamed about being able to help. Yeah. That's so cool. And for it to happen so soon, I wasn't expecting that. It just was so cool. So I understand that what you're doing now was really birthed out of that history of going back because there was something you experienced there that now has manifested (laughs) in what you do now. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because like, I know you're so (laughs) excited about it. When I met Megan, I met Megan twice in the last couple, you know, the last year. And both times I'm like, man, you're just bubbling over with this passion and excitement. So tell us that story. Well, it's just such a cool story. I just can't even hold back because I I can't even make this stuff up. It's like I'm watching a movie in my own life. (laughs) Um, But basically what happened was I worked at Project Here for three years and went to East Africa multiple times in between then. Walked away from that job because I just felt prompted to. And in March of 2015 found myself going out on this trip back to Uganda with my friends who had started a different organization in Uganda that was only 20 minutes away from Musana. Um, Ended up meeting who is now, uh, well, my business mentor's sister in the Brussels airport on my way to Uganda. I mean, what are the chances of that? She's from Florida. Wow. Wow. So Stan Bullis is now a business mentor to me. And that's, that's how I met And he has the exact same model of what I was looking for to funnel 20% back into the community through a business. Um, So he had it all on paper. Um, So I came back from that trip and I get this call from my friend Kelsey and she says, hey, do you remember Bev from the Brussels airport? Well, she's in town. Surprise, surprise. And this was a couple weeks after we had returned. And um, do you want to meet up with us? And so I ended up meeting up with them at Stan Bullis's office and he starts laying out all of this stuff that had been percolating in me and this model that I wanted to pursue. And for those of you listening, Stan has an organization called Unbridled. He has a terrific business model for for for-profit companies wanting to make a difference in the world. And I know he has a dream to start 100 companies. So that's mm -hmm. so cool that you're involved. Um, yeah, we're neighbors in Elizabeth as well. So, so continue. And, and so you connect up, right? So connected with them. And I just was like, this is crazy. I mean, this was everything that I had, I had been experiencing and it, now it's here in, in front of me on paper. I went back to Uganda in June of that year, June of 2015. And this was more of a discovery trip. So I, <clears throat> at the time was looking to actually move as a full-time missionary over to Uganda because I knew 14 different organizations that I could work with. Um, And it was more of, yes, I would be a business person on the ground for them, but I would be working for nonprofits and helping them out. So um, I needed funding um, to get out to East Africa and just so happened at the same time that Project Cure asked me to do a needs assessment as a volunteer for them in Mozambique. So they just happened to need somebody to go. Over in East Africa, (laughs) yes, at the exact same time. You need to get a hold of Megan and take some (laughs) fitness classes and and let some of her charmed god life uh, land on you. All right, so go, because I know you're getting to 
one of the most fun parts of the story. So. Yeah. So I'm over in Mozambique doing these hospital assessments. We did 12 different hospital assessments and you have to write reports. And at the end of this trip, I decided to meet up with a missionary um, couple, just friend of friends. And they started a gym that had a mission and the gym took street boys off from the street in Maputo um, which I came to find through the reports that I wrote for Project Cure is the third most poverty-stricken country in the world. Mozambique is right, um, and so they started a for-profit gym that I started talking to the owner of that business, and he said that they were self-sustaining within a month, which is unheard of. I mean, even like in America, so they had the overhead costs are so small over there that they were able to turn a profit in a month in one of the third most poverty stricken countries in the world. And I just was like, this is mind blowing. <laughs> how, yeah. how is a gym model sustainable in a very poverty stricken country? How? But I just, I got to shadow them and I got to spend time with the street boys. And it was the coolest experience to see how these boys, um, their lives were changed. I mean, they taught them how to open a bank account. They discipled them. So this um, wasn't just a physical fitness studio. No. This was a life. This was a life course. Yes. Yes. And my eyes started to be open to how, and I also at that same time had watched Poverty Inc. If you have not seen it, please go see it. It changed my life. And it just talks about how the shirt off your back is actually enabling the problem and putting local cotton factories out of business. And um, we all have like the best of intentions in our heart, but what's really going to help these people is business and giving, employing them. And so my eyes were just open to this beautiful model and how easily franchisable fitness is, um, and how many lives this could help. Is it, was, were you and I talking when we talked last about not just give a person to fish or teach a person to fish, but show a person how to start a fish business, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Right. Exactly. The small business person is, you know, the hope of, you know, all kinds of things for people, right? Yep. Yeah. So. And so that's where my passion came from. Um, I, I even looked into starting, well, and so part of that trip was I went from Mozambique to Uganda and then to Kenya afterward to help launch a water franchise. And that's a whole nother long story. But I ended up asking my friends in Uganda if they needed a gym and they said yes. And the pastors were just like, Megan, you need to do this. So I came back with this idea of starting this model and I just so happened again to have this meeting set with Stan and I flew, I threw this idea past the table and I, there were two different things and I still haven't told him this to this day, but, um, now he can listen to the podcast and know, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> we'll make sure and send it to him. I, 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 you know, I just was, I was praying about it and I just didn't know, um, what is this meeting about? And I just, it kind of was a check-in and I had two options. I could have asked him for a job at Unbridled or I could have thrown this idea about starting my own business out. And I decided to go with that one. And he encouraged me like nobody ever had before. And he said, yes, that's an, an amazing idea. That's an amazing model. I think my wife would like that, um, of starting a faith-based fitness studio. And the faith based for me came out. Um, it came into play just because I started doing research and realizing that I also went to a, a, t- a talk with Hickenlooper in 2014, and I heard um, the statistics that we were one of the fittest states, like 
you know, health wise, physically, fit. physically mm-hmm. fit, but that we were ranked 48th in the nation for mental wellness and that we have some of the highest suicide rates. Mm-hmm. And so there's a disconnect there. And I said, what's missing? You know, everybody, there's so much sunshine here. There's everybody's seems so happy. A million activities, right? Right. Gym but, on every corner. So, but what's missing? And I said, it had, it had to be Jesus. It has to. So I, I decided I that. to merge Just them all. It had to be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he was missing. <laughs> he was missing. So that's what we do at our studio. And that's how all of this has been birthed. Um, and we are a um, a give back company. So we funnel 20% back to our nonprofit partners. We have a global store that we're just launching. Um, we focus on our practice as well. So fitness is also incredibly important to us and having some of the best instructors. And we are training up eight different instructors right now. So we're really excited, but we do bar and we have a signature class called breathe, stretch, pray, similar to yoga, but different. Um, but those are our two signature core classes right now. And when did you launch this idea? Or did you do like a beta with a group of people or cause you're just really kind of, we're going to talk about your grand opening and your launch and everything, but uh-huh. you know, um, do you remember the day that you got kind of your first group together? And Yeah. Um, well, so um, after I had that conversation with Stan, I decided to chase it down 100%, wrote my business plan. Um, they actually had a conference called Emergent going on. Um, it was basically a Shark Tank panel to submit your that. business mm-hmm. plan yes. to. And that was in 2015. And did you get to present to them? I was not selected and I was crushed. <laughs> but look at this, okay? Because I was going to ask you about some failures because this is all sounding so perfect along the way. So you've got to just, <laughs> it's not been you know, perfect. the reality, right? The reality. And so you didn't get selected and yet still, right, continue well, to persevere. Well, yet again, I, I said, God, if you're in this, this is such a cool idea. If you're in this, I need a sign. And I usually don't believe in that kind of a thing, like asking for a sign, but, um, I I needed one at that point. And literally two seconds after I prayed that prayer, Stan Bullis texts me of all the people the next morning and says, I really think you need to pursue your plan. It's a really good idea. Wow. What great affirmation. And so for whatever reason, that is the the one final thing that I needed to continue forward. And I registered the business January 2016. We opened our doors. Another cool thing was I had been very specifically praying. Um, I, like I'm telling you, if you don't believe in God... <laughs> Pray specific Just prayers. test him, right? Yeah. Test him. Just have a conversation. <laughs> ask him for something. Right? Yes. I prayed very specifically um, in March of 2016, right after opening, for a space that would be donated to us. And it was a very specific area. It was Centennial. And I was asking right around the airport because I knew that that was a very central area to a lot of different places. And probably kind of a high rent, mm-hmm. you know, retail sort of rent space. And at that time, I had a friend who from Project Cure who introduced me to um, uh, Lisa Odell. Thank you, Lisa, <laughs> uh, who let us use her space free of charge. And wow. so we started spaces. I was so ambitious. We had six classes on the schedule every day. I thought people would be flooding our doors. And for a whole year and a half, I showed up to an empty studio. Wow. Wow. So it has definitely had its challenges and perseverance has been key. (laughs) So now you're launching, right? Your grand opening in two locations, right? In Wheat Ridge and Highlands Ranch. And you've got eight instructors you're training. And I will have to mention that one of them, besides Megan, is my (laughs) 
very favorite because my daughter got uh, connected, Lindsay, with Me- with Megan. They remind me so much of one another and have such a passion for encouraging people and uplifting people. And mm-hmm. so thank you for the extra time you've taken. She's so excited. And I'm so excited to see her passion to be involved in something so worthwhile. So tell yeah. us more about the grand opening and the launch and anything else you want us to know about that as well. Yeah, well, I am just really excited. Like I know that the last two, it's been two years since we really launched and I, it feels different. And I'm just really excited to be in this place and to have an incredible team. Like I I would do anything to work with these women and to be next to them. And I, that's just really, we've cultivated a family mm-hmm. and that is my heart. And that, I think that's what I've been drawn to. And that's what I was drawn to in Africa is just cultivating this family. And that's when transformation takes place. Um, and so Anyway, we have these two new locations. We are renting out Bar Forte um, off of C47D and Broadway. And then we have a studio space that we're sharing with a couple other fitness professionals in Wheat Ridge. Um, that's at 6470 West 44th. So it's only five minutes from Tennyson Street um, in North Denver. So it's a pretty central location. But I'm just, I'm very excited to see all of it come together. Um, to, and we have done a lot of training on how to take our thoughts captive, which which just means like really like those thoughts that go through our mind every single day. And one thing that not a lot of other fitness studios focus on, um, there are a lot of studios that focus on the mind, but it's a lot about like drawing within. And it's not really about what are these thoughts that are going through our head? And what am I saying about myself? I heard a statistic the other day that there's 3,900 words in the English language about emotion and that 90% of those are negative. So what are we saying? What are we rehearsing? What are we I re- love that. What am I rehearsing? What am right? I rehearsing in my head? And so we like to actively step into that place, into that 10% and speak that 10% over mm. ourselves, because we already have this 90% working against us. So how can we actively build each other up rather than walking into a studio and sizing each other up? Um, so if I came to a class, to a bar class, which I'm like super excited, I love dance and this might actually be one fitness class I would actually attend yeah. because it sounds so positive and uplifting. What would I experience? Would I experience young, old, male, female? I mean, like, is everybody welcome? Is there a specific target? Mm-hmm. You know, tell me what I might see or what you hope that maybe six months from now I'll see if I walk in the sure. class. Who are you hoping to attract? Yeah, well, our heart is for multi-generational, absolutely. So doing life along people of, of different ages um, and demographics. But I would, I would say our classes definitely are geared more towards women, but we definitely have had men. I mean, the breathe stretch prey is very attractive to men as well because not a lot of men get to stretch in their day. I heard to a doctor talk about that stretching is one of the most important things you need to do for your entire life if you do nothing else, that mm-hmm. breathing and stretching, and I love the praying, right? Breathing, yes. stretching, and praying, right, is mm-hmm. a great recipe for a long life and, yes. a, and a really healthy life. Well, so. even just thinking about how much time we spend in our car and sitting down mm-hmm. in that position, just getting after those muscles and really stretching them out is so important. I mean, that's where a lot of our pain comes from. And so that's what we focus on is being proactive in our health rather than reactive and doing that from a mental perspective as well. And so do you talk to the participants about that at all? I mean, when I, if I came Mm -hmm. to a class besides 
great music and, mm-hmm. you know, stretching and dancing, you know, would, would an instructor might throw out maybe a suggestion to think of, to, to consider what I'm thinking mm-hmm. and consider my choice in my own self-talk and yes. my thoughts. Yeah. So I would say the breathe, stretch, pray class is a little bit slower paced as you can imagine. And so that class is actually, you would see a lot more of that where there's a certain theme of the class that we're really chasing down. And with the bar classes, they're a little bit more upbeat and there is, there's music that's a little bit louder. And and for people who don't know what bar is, it's repetitive movements, small weights, and it's toning is essentially what it is, um, which is why a lot of women love it and are attracted to it. But yeah, if as you can imagine, we will incorporate that mental piece at the end of class. So as we're wrapping up class, um, you're kind of down on your mat. We're ending with our stretch. Um, we have a scripture that we've written on the mirrors that's staring us back in the face, just truth staring you back um, whenever you're, because a lot of us will just look in a mirror and start tearing ourselves apart. And that's not what we want. Um, so our instructors will lead you through a small devotional or just a small, um, you know, like a verse or um, even a quote for the day Mm. that you can relate to something. So let's say it's a year from now and we're sitting here again, catching up. What do you hope has happened? My dream is to have a whole community center that we have a full blown global store, which we're launching on a small scale with our partners in Uganda and Kenya. And what kind of things are in the store? So we have home decor. So pillows, blankets, incredible blankets. There's hand woven wall hangings. Um, We have jewelry that are made by the African women. So I just, I would love to see that explode and to tell the stories of different organizations from all different countries. Um, I would love to have a coffee tea and smoothie bar where people say there's got to be a place for community right so we can can hang out before or after class (laughs) exactly and just imagine you know coming to your studio you haven't had breakfast yet you're in a hurry because that's our clientele is you know we're all on the go we're all busy so what if we could have almost like a it sounds bad but like a one-stop shop where we can come and we can hang out with our friends we can work out Um, We can get filled up mentally and spiritually. And, you know, you could even have a business meeting after in the same place. So we would love to have a coffee, tea and smoothie bar where you can go pop in your order, go to class, grab it afterward and then hang out with some friends. I would love to see in that same space that we would be able to transition it into almost like a music venue and have live music on Fridays and Saturdays. Kind of multi-use. Multi-use. And I don't have to be a person that's... uh christian or loves jesus to come not at all no absolutely and that's something that i was just reading through our google reviews yesterday and that is what almost every single one of them said is that we are welcoming and that is my heart i want everyone to feel welcome every single person awesome so so megan before we you know tell everybody how to flood to the grand opening that's coming up soon you know, we touched on this a little bit, bit before, and, and I, I think that actually the theme of this whole podcast around no matter what's happened, you're persevering and you really had joy and positivity. And that's really something to just pause on and say, you know, that in spite of that year and a half where nobody showed up, you know, you kept the course. Um, what were some of the obstacles? What were some of the stumbling blocks? What were some of the heartbreaking moments along the way? There were a lot. (laughs) 
There still are. What's one of the I most mean, poignant ones? I would say one of the most disappointing times and one of the times, well, one of the many times that I have surrendered the business, just kind of laying it on the table and just saying, God, if this is you, you need to show up because I have been definitely in that place of frustration. <laughs> and uh, one of those times was a year ago. So it must have been 2017 in December when my business partner who came on board with me shortly after we found the space in March of 2016 told me that she was stepping back. And I I was running at several locations. I never even thought about using dance studios as franchising spaces, but renting out different locations. And when she told me she was stepping back, I was like, how am I going to do this on my own? And I had to shut down those locations. And I, I mean, hardly was anyone was coming. And when they were, it was inconsistent. And I was in several locations and I only had one, one person helping me at the time. And then I was losing her. And so, um, I just said, God, if you're in this, you need to show up. And I, at that time was in a Bible study with my friend and she said, I've been praying about this for a whole month and I'm supposed to be an instructor for you. Wow. And so that's when she stepped forward and I started training her and it, it does sound all ideal and glamorous and wonderful, but it's hard. I've been working, you know, 16 hour days and training people. Um, it's as, as any business owner does, you know, um, but it's so worth it to, I mean, I just had a training with your daughter last night and it's so worth it to come alongside these women and to see the gold in them and to call it out and to walk alongside them, to help them step into who they're created to be, to become warriors. That is my goal for every single one of our clients is for them to be who they were created to be. Can I tell the story about meeting you for the second time? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was so a good one. <laughs> we did a, a an event that came to a location in Denver at Bridgeway Church. And these are people that are, I would say mostly, maybe not all, but mostly people of faith that really have the same philosophy of building a community where we can support and encourage one another so that we can resource things that need resourcing. And, you know, sometimes that's money and sometimes that's mentorship or leadership or support or a great business plan or a friend or a shoulder to cry on or whatever it is. And we were sitting around a table and there were maybe 10 people at that table. In yeah. fact, it, people kept just coming to our table. Isn't that kind of funny? I was like, oh, these I people actually got come. kicked out of yeah. our table yeah, and came to ours, right? <laughs> and you and two other women and I got to be in a small group together and, mm -hmm. you know, talk about really what we did and kind of our place in the world and our leadership and our dreams. And Megan started sharing and... <laughs> I just looked at her and, you know, Tom and I have this agreement that if we're going to spend a certain amount of money or we are going to write a check over a certain amount of money, we check in with one another. But it was so overwhelming. Your story was so overwhelming. And I don't even think you even had told the whole story. And I just turned to you and put my hand on you and said, I'm supposed to write you a check. <laughs> and I had a number in my mind, but I didn't say it because I knew I wanted to at least go over and say, hey, Tom, will you collaborate with me on this? And it was just so overwhelmingly God, yeah. you know, putting us alongside one another for us to be in a position. I mean, that's why we do real estate. That's why we do coaching. That's why we w do what we do. We're just like you. Yeah. We highly believe in profitable capitalistic businesses that can, you know, not only fund our bills and lifestyles and leave a legacy for our family, but really be able to be a resource in that overflow to the world. And, you know, when we 
even began our own real estate brokerage, you know, our tagline, which is not just a tagline, we really mean it is that we want to bring people like you on our podcast, we want to talk about and highlight people in our community. If you're listening, and this is you, we want to meet you, because we want to meet those people that are transforming lives, communities and the world by doing good things by doing good. And so it, you were so overwhelmingly in that space to need encouragement. Yes. And that day. And I was. I was so honored to be able to be that encourager, not just in writing you a check, which it was little anyway. I wish I could have added a bunch amazing. of zeros behind it. <laughs> um, but to be that encourager for someone else. And I think what you've expressed just now is that heart that so many of us have is how do I use the gifts that I've been given, the gifts and talents and resources and history and wisdom and perseverance and trials and heartaches and failures and and victories for the sake of someone else. And I think the older we get, you know, many of us start out as little girls. I mean, I had these dreams like you when I was very little of somehow wanting to change the world. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't have a flagpole. You know, I didn't, that's really cool. And and then to be able to have the honor to sit alongside someone. And I hope that if people are listening, that they'll come to a class. Yes. They'll support that. this vision, but that they'll come for themselves also. Mm-hmm. not only for their bodies or their mental, but they'll come for the community aspect of knowing that that day somebody else could need them to be there. Yeah. Or that day you would be the one walking into a class and need someone else to be there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of hope, that biblical hope, the expected outcome of good things is what the world needs now. Mm-hmm. We need to be hope givers. And so Absolutely. I love that you're a hope giver. I love what you're doing. Thank you. I love that I've already seen the change in hope for my own daughter. And um, so we do want to know where we can all support and come, whether you want to work out or not, you can breathe and you can stretch and you can pray. Um, <laughs> and so where can we do this? How soon can we do this? Both talk about when classes are already starting and then when your grand opening is so that the community that's listening can grab a bunch of friends and come. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say again, thank you for that check. And and I was so caught off guard and I just was in such a place of feeling love from God in general. And and that was such a pivotal moment too. That was a pretty recent meeting where we met up with each other, but that was pretty pivotal for Revive in the season that we're in right now. But launching into this grand opening, it's next Friday, April 6th at 6.30 p.m. We do have a free 30-minute bar class that still has a couple oh, openings available, just a couple. So, so how do we how do we register so we can get those? <laughs> yeah. So if you go to revivefitstudio.com. Say that again. So revivefitstudio.com. You'll go to our website and then you'll click on, you can either click on the schedule tab and then click on the Wheat Ridge button, or you can go straight to the Wheat Ridge page and just sign up there. So make sure you go to the April 6th and just click on that class. It'll have you register um, in our system, which you'll use that login for the rest of time. So remember your password <laughs> um, and you can sign up for the class there. 
we also we're we have a lot of fun things happening that night. We have live music. We have food catered from Vital Root. Um, we're talking with Denver Biscuit Company to get food fun. from them. We have really great door prizes from Athleta. There's two $25 Athleta gift cards. We have bar socks so that we can hook you up for class because you have to have bar socks for class. Um, we have a couple flip belts that you can use for working out. There's just some really cool prizes to get involved in. Um, so that is our Wheat Ridge location. We are also opening in Highlands Ranch off of C470 and Broadway. Um, and we are starting just with one class a week there um, at 6 a.m. on Thursdays. So for those early risers, we'll be adding a an evening class to the Highlands Ranch location in May. Wonderful. Well, I have been blessed and honored to have you on our podcast. Likewise. <laughs> um, and I just think you're inspiring. I mean, not only are you beautiful and magical and inspiring, <laughs> you. make me cry. <laughs> um, I, you're such a great example to young women, um, young people. Um, love your perseverance in your heart. I don't have a doubt in my mind or in my heart that you will be anything but wildly successful. And I love that God is your most important business partner. He absolutely <laughs> is. So I just want to thank you personally for transforming lives and the community we live in and the world by doing good. And we want to have you back again so that we can hear more. I would love and, it. And uh, catch up on the progress. So yes, thank, thank you, you, Megan. Thank Thanks you for guys. being here. Thank you for having me. This is Sandy Corrigan. You've been listening to the Highlands Ranch Lone Tree Advice Givers podcast from the Corrigan Group. You can follow our podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to iTunes Podcast and subscribe. We would love for you to rate and review our podcast. Join us again, and thank you for the way you transform your lives, your communities, and the world by doing good.